everyone. Welcome to the What Does Happy Look Like podcast. My name is Mary Despay, your co-host, and I am very excited for today's guest. As many of you know, this podcast is all about discussing the topic of happiness, and more specifically, how everyday people have created the versions of it for themselves. And our guest today does a lot of meaningful work with children and specifically children who are going through things that quite frankly is the opposite of happiness. So I will hand it over to my friend and co-host Sally Leslie to introduce today's special guest, Sally. So thank you, Mary, that's fantastic. And um, today we have Val McFarlane with us and she's one of the directors from the Bullion Intervention Group, also known as BIG. They run a national awards scheme and they help schools with bullying. So thank you very much, Val, for coming today onto the podcast. Uh, welcome to our show. And it'd be great if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes, I'm Val McFarlane and I've been working in education for some years now. I'm married with three grown-up sons um, and I've been, I started off as an education welfare officer uh, several years ago and I was working with children and young people who weren't accessing education. It could be because they were poorly, it could be because they were anxious about going to school for various reasons. So I worked with them and their families to try and get them back into school. So Val, why did you decide to start helping children with bullying? Working with children and young people who weren't accessing education, I noticed that for a lot of them, the reason was bullying. Either they were being bullied or they'd seen someone being bullied or it was friendship issues. They were very concerned about going to school and about how they would be treated by the other pupils. So that really got me on, on the road to, to working around bullying. And I realized also that schools needed a lot, an awful lot of help with this. Okay. In the 90s, schools virtually were ignoring bullying. You know, we don't have a bullying issue. It was all about making sure that parents would send their children to that school. So the B word really yeah. couldn't be mentioned. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. That sounds absolutely terrible. I can imagine that there is definitely the need there for that. And what was the biggest challenge you would say to you when you first started working with BIG? Well, the first challenge we had was that we had no funding whatsoever. Um, unfortunately, there were a few larger anti-bullying charities and most of the government money went to them. We tried a few large organisations to try and get sponsorship, but they all had their own charities that they supported. So we found a way around that by charging schools a very small a yearly fee sometimes that schools have to leave big after being with us for nine years yeah. you know and, and having yeah when when I first started working with schools around bullying we used to say that there were three types of bullying there was physical bullying verbal bullying and emotional bullying physical being obviously hitting pushing shoving verbal being the name calling the constant name calling the threatening and emotional being, um, you know, leaving a child out or spreading a rumour around. And then another form of bullying joined us, and that was cyberbullying, which wasn't even around at the beginning. And that was uh, as technology grew and more and more children had access to mobile phones and computers of their own. Um, that's when we found that cyberbullying emerged. 
and technology is a brilliant thing it is it's a fantastic thing and it helps us all you know I can't remember a time when I couldn't just find out an answer online yeah. for anything and it it helps children and young people to do their homework to understand you know they might have had a lesson and they didn't quite understand what it was about and they can go home and look it up and do lots of research so technology is a marvelous thing when it's used in the right way but unfortunately it can also be used in the wrong way and the most vulnerable children are the ones most likely to be cyberbullied the ones who have problems with social skills that don't have a huge group of friends around them at school that rely on their computer or gaming for company yeah. you know that might they'll believe anything they're told you know they're yeah. in danger online because all sorts of people can try and befriend them i mean we have adults pretending to be children you know they get a hold of a picture of a child and set up a fake account so they're in danger so we do a lot of work around e-safety in schools and um, schools invite us in to do our workshop which the children really enjoy we make it really fun so one of the things apart from the danger the stranger danger which is present online as much as it is in real life um, is, is bullying and that can happen so much online because many many years ago when I was at school you said goodbye to your friends at three o'clock you had a phone with a curly wire which your dad often put a lock on and wouldn't <laughs> let you bring your friends yeah. <laughs> and you know you saw them again the next day if you had an argument usually you all had time to simmer down and get over it overnight and everything was okay the next day Cyberbullying has changed all that. Children go home and they have access to each other unsupervised, without mm. adult supervision, for hours and hours on end, into the night even. Wow. And what might have started off as a little tiff in school can massively escalate overnight with the use of, of the internet and you know, the use of social media sites. Or something can develop overnight and then spill into school the next day. So it's very important that school and home work together on cyberbullying, on trying to reduce it, on trying to address it, because it isn't the school's problem and it isn't the parents' problem. It's everyone's problem because, as I say, it can spill from one into the other. And it's a, a horrible, horrible thing for a child to be cyberbullied. Yeah, it's incredible. You, you said that it is everybody's problem, really. And I know myself and Mary, when we spoke about having you on the show, we were really interested in speaking with you because we still feel, although obviously you're, you're doing fantastic work with Big and there is, of course, other companies and friends out there trying their best, but it is still a bit of a taboo subject. So we were really, really excited about getting you on here and hopefully giving a little bit more of a platform to get you know help out there for people. So um, moving on um, to next one, I mean, what about yourself, Al? What excites you about your work with Big? Oh, <laughs> I couldn't begin to say, you know, it's just, I love working with children. I'm also a children's counsellor and psychotherapist. So I do a lot of work working one-to-one -one with children, not just children who are bullied, children with any issue. <sighs> it's a very satisfying job. And yeah. I'm proud to say that we have never, ever come across an incident of bullying that we haven't been able to sort out wow. and we say this to children you know if a child speaks out about it and we know about it we know what to do we have years of experience we know exactly what we're doing we won't make it worse and we help schools 
to address bullying. That's our job. So we go in there and we give them a whole load of strategies to do. We explain to them exactly what needs to be done and how the whole school can work together. So to get the big award, for instance, a school would have to have um, a focus group, which would be the children and young people, their parents or carers, um, senior management team, members of staff, outside agencies, lots and lots of people all coming together every term to have anti-bullying plans, to, you know, to arrange all sorts of awareness raising activities. That's really, really important. That's like the, the pivotal role in the school is, is the one of the focus group. We help them to write an excellent anti-bullying policy that's accessible to all. Also to have a young person's guidance, um, you know, set of guidance rules yeah. as well to help them. We have awareness raising in school. We have a peer support scheme put in place that's properly managed and supervised by staff. We have lots of awareness raising activities going on. We have lots of parent involvement, um, you know, perhaps through open days, perhaps through them being involved in the focus group, etc. We always make sure, you know, that's very, very important. Uh, we have a testimonial from a young people. We make sure that schools have a monitoring and recording system. I could go on. Yeah. But to see school come to us and say, where do we start? How yeah. do we stop bullying? We've got an issue or we haven't got an issue. How do we keep our school that way? You know, what do we do? We have the answers. We have, if, if a school does all of those things, it's really difficult for someone to bully because everything is in place. It's a bit like having a car. Yeah, yeah. you know, you have your MOT, you have your insurance, you have everything in place. It doesn't mean you're going to have an accident. You hope you don't. But if one does happen, you're all ready. You know, you're, yeah. you're ready to fire. And that's what we say about bullying. A school needs to do so much proactively. It's no good just reacting to every incident. If you have all of that in place, it makes it really difficult for bullying to thrive and survive. And the bullies just find it so difficult. It's not worth doing. So that's, that's really my job. It's to make a school... I'm not going to say bullyproof because that's ridiculous. Yeah. Bullying will happen. It'll happen in anywhere where people congregate. But you'll find the same with workplaces. If everything is in place, if everybody understands what their role is, if you've got a system for if it happens where it's quickly, effectively and confidently dealt with, it can't thrive. That's fantastic. And you can really hear there how passionate and excited you are about your work with Big there. Val, how do you stay inspired? So many things that inspire me. Yeah. Working with children inspires anyone, I think. Yeah. You know, you can feel like Mrs. Grumpy and, you know, <laughs> you trail along to the school and it's pouring with rain and you get soaked getting out of the car and you come to the school gate and then you hear, Val's here! Oh, <laughs> I mean, that is just fabulous, you know, and all the children, you can hear them telling each other, Val's here! Val's here! Val's here! <laughs> You know, it's it's wonderful, you know, and then you, you go into the school and, you know, you see your first client and, you know, they'll tell you all about their week and what they've been doing. And, you, you know, you just you can't help but be inspired by children and young people. They are so brilliant to work with, you know, that and you learn all the time. You think, you know, everything and you don't. You, you learn constantly from children. And I, what I love is when a child has an issue 
they come to you and they talk to you about it and they feel they can talk to you and you're proud that they've shared their secret with you or their yeah. issue, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, you say to them, right, we, we need to get outside help with this. This isn't something that I can sort out today. You know, we need, we need more people involved. And they're, oh, you know, I thought I could talk to you and I'll say, but yeah, sometimes, you know, somebody else needs to know. And, you know, you pass it on and they do get help. And I once, I once went to the house of a little girl who wasn't attending school and it, she'd been adopted and um, she had um, much older parents and the mum had died and only dad was left with her and he was in a lot of pain and he wasn't coping. She was a teenager and um, unfortunately he was physically abusing her. You know, and she came to the door and she, she said she hadn't been at school. I noticed a few bruises and I said, you know, I think we need to have a chat. Anyway, to cut a long story short, she didn't want me to get involved at all and was mortified. And it turned out that there was another family member that could look after her and did so very, very well. And she could still see dad and she could still love dad, but he could cope much better if he didn't have a living actually in the house. And I got a letter from her a few months later saying thank you so much my life is so different now you know yeah it was sorted out because of you know because of your involvement you know because you've got you know the authorities involved and I didn't want you to do it but now I see why you did and oh. everyone's happy and that used to be up on my wall in my office oh, brilliant. for years yeah you know because when I worked for the council um you know because at the time I was an education welfare officer but it was you know so lovely and that inspired me yeah. on a day when you came into work and thought why am I doing this <laughs> you can always you remember know. that yeah yeah you'd see that letter and you'd think ah that's why I'm doing this you know and I'm not trying to make myself out to be brilliant so many people are doing brilliant work with children and young people but if you ask what inspires me it's to see something through you know yeah. from a child confiding in you to getting them the help they need and they didn't realize they needed you know and, and getting them to the happy you know the happy ever after that's fantastic and I, I loved what you said as well um when you were explaining there about how we can learn things from children we're, we're so many of us are told that we can always learn things from older people but sometimes maybe we forget about the younger people so yeah that was really interesting as well quite insightful if you could share some wisdom to someone who is currently sadly experiencing cyberbullying what one piece of advice would you give them Okay. The one piece of advice I'd actually give someone who's being cyberbullied is switch it off. <laughs> but children will not have that at all, you know. Children want to know what's being said, want to know what's there. But the the big difference between cyberbullying and face-to-face -face bullying is you can actually switch off the bully. You can choose whether to be involved in that incident or not. If you've got a gang standing around you in a playground or in a park. You know, you can't switch them off. They're there. They're in your face. But with cyberbullying, you can actually switch off the bully. That's about the only good thing about it, unfortunately. One of the worst things about cyberbullying is it, it follows you around. You know, as I said earlier, in my day, you went home from school. You had your bedroom, which was your sanctuary away from all the horrible people that you didn't want to be around. You could sit in your room. You could read a book. You could watch TV, do what you like. But you were away from school and the bullies and anybody that you didn't want to be around. Unfortunately, what's happened now because of cyberbullying, your phone can ping. You can be bullied when you're asleep. 
you can be bullied when you're on the toilet. Literally, you can be yeah. bullied 24-7, any day, any time. And that's the scary, that's one of the scariest things and one of the worst things about cyberbullying. But another really bad thing about it is it can be anonymous. You might not actually know who the bully is. You know, somebody can set up a mm -hmm. fake account and start sending you abusive messages and you have absolutely no idea. And you might go into school or college the next day and think, was that the bully? Was that the bully? Are they sitting next to me now having lunch? Who is it? Who's doing it? You know, and that must be so scary, you know, to not even know who your bully is, to know who, or bullied face to face, do face really bad mental health problems. It can affect their diet, their sleep, their thoughts. You know, it, it, it can give them terrible anxiety, really bad anxiety and depression. And it can last, you know, it can also, because, I think one of the, the worst things about bullying is what it does to your self-esteem. Mm. If you're told every day you're fat, you're ugly, you're useless, why don't you kill yourself? I mean, this is the sort of thing. Another really bad thing about cyberbullying is when people are not face-to-face, -face, they're much braver. Oh. Well, braver as in cowardly. Yeah. But you know, they will, should I say, they're more hurtful. Mm. So what they might say to somebody in school is completely different to what they'll say online they'll go much further much much further and also the audience is much much bigger so in the playground you could have a couple of people come up to you and you know start being horrible other people might come around to see what's going on and hear it and it's embarrassing and you feel stupid and small and powerless and frustrated if it's online it can literally be seen by thousands millions it can be shared it can go viral or bullied face to face do face really bad mental health problems it can affect their diet their sleep their thoughts you know it, it can give them terrible anxiety really bad anxiety and depression and it can last you know it can also because i think one of the, the worst things about bullying is what it does to your self-esteem mm. if you're told every day you're fat you're ugly you're useless why don't you kill yourself I mean, this is the sort of thing. Another really bad thing about cyberbullying is when people are not face to face, they're much braver. Oh, well, yeah. braver as in cowardly. Yeah. But you know, they will, should I say, they're more hurtful. Mm. So what they might say to somebody in school is completely different to what they'll say online. They'll go much further, much, much further. And also the audience is much, much bigger. So in the playground, you could have a couple of people come up to you and, you know, start being horrible. Other people might come around to see what's going on and hear it. And it's embarrassing and you feel stupid and small and powerless and frustrated. If it's online, it can literally be seen by thousands, millions. It can be shared. It can go viral. You know, it, there was a trend for this happy slapping a few years ago where you know people yeah people people were going up to someone it still happens go up to someone and hit them or abuse them in some way and somebody else films it and then puts it on the internet later on or puts it onto social media so there are so many horrible things about cyberbullying and face-to-face -face bullying that can you know really really bring a person down but the biggest piece of advice I would give to anybody who is being bullied in any way whatsoever by anyone is to make sure you get help.
And the reason you're not getting help if you're not is because you think it'll get worse. You think if you tell the teachers they're going to drag you up in assembly in front of the whole school, ask you to point out the bullies. And to be fair, that did happen in my day many, many years ago. I've seen someone dragged up onto the stage and told to point out the bullies. Obviously, he couldn't find them. (laughs) nobody would do that but now it is much much better teachers are trained we run whole days with teachers training them they are much more diplomatic they are much more careful and much more confident I mean often what teachers will say is they've they've witnessed something themselves we've noticed Mm. that this is happening or you know your teacher has noticed so you know they won't just go to the bully and say you know um sally has told us that you're bullying her that would just be stupid they don't do that now you know they're very very careful they tread carefully but they make sure it stops and it will only stop if you tell someone and you're not just helping yourself if you tell someone if you really feel that it would be a bad thing to you know to grass on the bully if you think about it you're also helping other people because once that bully is stopped and gets the help that they need because yeah. all bullies need help. It's not normal behaviour to have to make somebody else look small to make yourself look better or bigger or whatever it is you're trying to do. So you're going to help your friends as well because every time a bully is stopped, everybody else is protected. So you're not just protecting yourself, you're helping others as well. And that bully will get the help they need. I know we're labelling this person a bully, but really we've got a sad person here. Mm-hmm. We've got someone who is has so little confidence in themselves that they need you they need to use you to make them feel better they need to make you look silly or make you look unhappy or make you look scared to make them look tough or make them look funny they can't do it any other way they need you for that and you're going to play that game if you keep doing it and you don't allow you don't allow someone to become involved and help you you just let the bully continue with it then you're joining in the game what you've got to say is I don't play this game so Val we ask all of our guests what does happy look like to you happy to me and I've been alive quite a few years now (laughs) and been through quite a few experiences of my own and this is what I've learned okay for what it's worth so many years ago I was bringing up my young son on my own and one Christmas we literally had to decide whether to eat or be warm we literally had to decide and I had a coal fire and a a little house and I was happy enough but it was hard it was extremely hard it was a very cold winter as you can probably tell by my accent I live in the north of England (laughs) and um, we a friend lent me some money to get my son a few toys which was really kind of her and I paid her straight back in January Um, I said to the coalman look I don't need any coal at the moment I'm fine and he went round had a look in the shed realized I did and filled it oh and he came round to the front and he said look pay me when you can don't worry about it it's fine and I was embarrassed but you know people's kindness was amazing but anyway we got through that Christmas and we were all we had a lovely Christmas we had a great time and we sat and watched movies and we had the fire on and you know we didn't have a lot but we had a great Christmas and what I've learned is what you need in life is enough, right? Yeah. It's not what's round the tree, it's who's round the tree at Christmas. It's not about having, you know, um, designer luggage. It's about getting a little holiday. It doesn't matter where. 
it's who with. Yeah. And I've always thought now, I, I remember at the time saying to my friend, I just wish I had enough. If I just had enough, you know, it's just the not having enough that's the biggest problem, especially when you've got a child as well, you know, to worry about, not just yourself. And I used to say to her, if I just had enough, people think happiness is about money. And money does help. It does. I mean, you do some great things when you've got money. Yeah. But I've always remembered those days. And, you know, when I do get a holiday now or I do get to do nice things, I'm really grateful. I really get what it's like to be on the poverty line. At that time, if I had actually um, gone on to um, benefits, I would have been better off. But I continued to work. I was literally, I had to pay for prescriptions. I had to pay for my, my son's school meals. But I wanted to work. I wanted to, to know that we were managing and that we were doing it. And I knew that I was, you know, on a career path, yeah. which I didn't want to stop. And, you know, I knew it was better for my son in the long run that I continued to work. And I just look back on those days as poor but happy. And now I'm really grateful for everything I have. And so long as I've got enough... I'm always happy and enough means not just being able to feed, but to have the odd treat as well. Yeah. I'm not pretending that enough is just to be able to eat. Everyone needs treats. Everyone needs to be able to have, you know, a few days away or, you know, a nice night out somewhere, socializing with friends, things like that are so important and don't have to cost a lot of money. You know, they don't have to cost a lot. You can have all sorts of fun together, but enough. That's what you need. And I think sometimes, you know, I've thought about this before and people who are very rich and famous, right? Yeah. Who've done helicopters and done having a yacht and all yeah. the things we like think, no, you know, I'll never, ever, ever have that. Yeah. They've done it and they've done it to death, right? So then they turn to chemicals, some of them. It's true. Also chemicals, yeah. yeah, alcohol, the lot, yeah. Yeah. Only a chemical can provide the high that money just doesn't provide anymore. Mm. Now that's not happiness, you see. Yeah. If I could have a yacht, I'd be happy forever. <laughs> I know that I would be. I know I'm not going to get a yacht, but knowing that I'm never going to get a yacht and, and knowing that I put the lottery on, do you know what I mean? Mm. That, that just keeps me going, just knowing that there's a little tiny glimmer of hope that one, but really I wouldn't want to be that rich. I wouldn't. You yeah. know, just, just to have enough will always make me happy. Oh, and health absolutely health yeah. i mean health is more important than anything in the world but to well. have enough yeah. and health yeah and if you've got enough and you've got health and you've got people around you that you love what more could you want my beautiful wonderful gorgeous father-in-law who's no longer with us he said to me one day he was leaving work to retire and he says i haven't got a huge pension he says oh but i'm rich i am so rich he says i've got four beautiful children and I've got three beautiful grandchildren. He says, I'm rich. I couldn't be richer. Oh, isn't that lovely? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's really, really <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Mm-hmm. Right then, before you go, it'd be great if you could tell the listeners um, how they can get hold of you, how they can contact Big, um, where you are on social media and places like that. Okay. So Big... We work with schools and they can achieve our big award if they have all of those strategies in place. And we have um, a help section. We can't unfortunately get involved in individual cases. Uh, we, we, we can't do that. But we can work with schools, with children's homes, anywhere that children have to go or want to go. 
basically. And we have a website which is www.bullyinginterventiongroup.org. And we also have a Facebook page, Bullying Intervention Group. So you'd be very welcome to get in touch with us and um, have a look at our website, have a look at our page. We have lots of inspirational quotes up there and every school that gets our award, we always give them a, a mention on our page. You can also see which schools have got our award and they're all over England and we've got a few in Wales, Scotland, Ireland and abroad and any school is welcome to apply for the big award and to join us we offer as well as the big award which if you have all of those strategies in place and we assess your portfolio which you complete online you receive a certificate and a wall plaque and a logo which you can use which says that you've achieved excellence in challenging bullying That's so thank you so much, Val, for coming to our podcast. We really appreciate you giving your time and explaining more about cyberbullying. It's been great having you on the show. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we're looking forward to bringing you the next show in a couple of weeks' time. Take care. Thank you. Bye.